Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. probably a Nazarite vow. When you're in a Nazarite vow, you can't drink alcohol, you can't ingest anything from grapes or the vine in general. You can be nowhere near dead bodies, not even like to mourn a mother or father. Uh, You can't cut your hair. There's a a number of things you can't do in a Nazarite vow. It, It seems that Paul is taking one. This is one of these little details in the book of Acts that I just can't seem to get enough of right now. We don't know exactly why he did this. It's not explained nearly as much as one would like, but we know that after that, on Paul's third missionary journey, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. In fact, that's Acts 19, verse 11, where we're starting reading today. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles miracles. Kind of an oxymoron, right? Unusual and miracles, same same thing. Unusual miracles. Verse 12, for example, when handkerchiefs or aprons that have merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of diseases and evil spirits were expelled. I mean, I, I thought getting up out of a ditch when you've been practically stoned to death, like we talked about last week, I thought that was a pretty big miracle. Right? That was only five chapters ago in the book of Acts. He got up. I will never be able to hear those three words again in any context and not feel a little rumble in my spirit. Anyone else? He got up. He got up. That's what we talked about last week. And it was only five chapters ago to us. To Paul, it was a couple years of his life. 
Uh, he essentially pastored a church for a year and a half. And let me tell you, that's no easy feat. Okay, I can't tell you whether it's more difficult to travel and speak like like an Aaron Holt who's coming to speak to us next week uh, or whether it's more difficult to stay and to pastor because I only have experience with one. But believe me, sticking it out, it's tough. I know the toll that it must have taken on Paul. He was fighting an emotional battle now. Right? Not, not necessarily a physical one, like getting beat up and thrown in a ditch. His vow, the church, all of the, the things that he's going through do, during this time. He even sort of seems to wash his hands of the Jewish people, <laughs> like all of them. At one point, he's like, guys, you're not getting the picture here, so I'm going to go preach to the Gentiles. They're at least open to the gospel. He washes his hands of them. It's only five chapters for us, but it was a lot for Paul. He goes through a lot of emotional turmoil. He had been through a lot. See, a lot of us want the power to perform unusual miracles, right? Like, that would be nice. Wouldn't that be awesome to have an apron touch your hand and then it goes and heals someone? That would be amazing. A lot of us want that power, but we don't want to do the work for it. We want someone to discover our gifts rather than to be developed into them. Uh, We aren't willing to take the vows and and do the fasting and the spiritual disciplines. As Isaiah said in his first FEU sermon this past week, somebody pat him on the back over there. Akelia, just there you go. Ruffle up his hair a little bit while you're at it. As he said in his first FB Youth Sermon on Wednesday night, God doesn't often give quick magical fixes, right? He gives us disciplines. Disciplines. He changes us from the inside out, truly. And sometimes the only way to do that is through experience. Paul was different because he was willing to be developed, not just discovered. Paul was discovered on the road to Damascus. God sort of clobbered him across the head and made him blind for a couple of days, right? The, the light shining from heaven and Jesus saying, why are you persecuting me? He took him, plucked him out of the mission that he was on to kill Christians and put him back on the right track. He discovered his gifts, but Paul was also willing to be developed. It's what made him probably the, the most effective missionary of all time. He was willing to be developed, not just discovered when God Gives you an unusual power, though, you can bet Satan will come up with a counterfeit for it. Keep reading in verse 13. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, leading priests, were doing this. But one time... When they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. I know Jesus. I know Paul. But who are you? We often think that we have to do big things for God, but the biggest question, the most important question that both God and the enemy are asking is, who are you? Who are you? Look, I I haven't been involved with a ton of casting evil spirits out, uh, but there have been a few noteworthy times. In fact, almost every time is noteworthy. Uh, After one in particular, though, I had to call a friend. I phoned a friend. I had some questions, and it was Evangelist Johannes Amritzer, as a lot of you have had experience with in the past here at Freedom Valley, but I I don't even remember what exactly the question was anymore, but his answer will stick with me forever. What he said was, demons can discern your revelation of who Jesus is. Demons can discern your revelation of who Jesus is. And you can write that one down because if, if you're anything like me, it will take you a few weeks to unpack what that actually means. Maybe I'm still unpacking what that means. 
They already know who you are. Evil spirits can discern your revelation of who Jesus is. They know who you are, that you are a child of God, but but that you have been tainted by sin. You've been deceived. And so they know they have a foothold. They know exactly how to deceive you again. But not if you know who you are. Not if you know who you are. I want to release this freedom into the room today. This this anxiety that I can't even call it that. It's like a pressure. Uh, God wants you to get this today because we so often see ourselves as victims in this world. Victims of what the world does to us. But you are not a victim. You're just deceived. You haven't received the revelation of who Jesus is yet. Meaning, if you believe in Jesus, like, actually believe. You believed like we believed in this room last week. <laughs> right? You believe in the way that gets you up in the morning. You believe like, like he got up. He, he got Paul up. He died for my sins, truly. And he raised himself from the dead. The gospel got up. Replaced your identity with his, and you may still mess up, but it's your heart's desire to please him more than anything in the world, truly. You want to please the spirit of Jesus. If you think about him too long with this kind of belief, you get emotional. But you know, truly know the depth of your own sin and selfishness and what he's done for you. You see people truly through his eyes with this kind of belief not your own. You you don't get mad at people anymore. You get mad at the enemy. Instead of being out for your own respect, your own fame, you're out for his. Who are you? It's about your revelation of who Jesus is. Who is Jesus and who are you? Because when you truly know who Jesus is, it affects how you view yourself too. We ask this question in our FE Youth at Home group over the summer. We were watching through The Chosen together, and and we said, who is Jesus? Define him in your own words. And we went around the circle, and, you know, there were, of course, the, he's my friend, he's my savior, he he died on the cross, right? Kind of answers. And we got to one kid, and they said, "Uh, he's a magic guy in a book. I mean... (laughs) Maybe not technically wrong. Supernatural guy in a book, sure. Uh, But there's no revelation there, right? Magic guy in a book. It's more sarcastic or something than than a real answer. You might know who he is, but is there revelation? There has to be revelation in our understanding of Jesus, meaning God has to reveal some truths for us to come to an acceptance of who Jesus really is. We're communicating the real Jesus. There's a lot of counterfeits out there. There has to be revelation. These these sons of Sceva, they had only heard of Jesus. They knew there was power in his name, but they didn't know him. They didn't walk around as representatives of him. They thought it was a magic word. Something to add to their incantation. Something to make them look good. And the evil spirit knew it. The evil spirits in your life know it too. The addictions. The anxiety and depression. The unhealthy habits. The the laziness, the fear, the the lust problem, the pornography addiction, the, the greed and stealing, the need for approval. The lying to make yourself look better. All of these are evil spirits and they know it too. They know you know his name, but you don't know who he is. Today I'm here to tell you who Jesus is. Jesus is the name above every name. He is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is the true vine, the savior, the deliverer, the lamb of God, the high priest. He is the good shepherd the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the Lord of all, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Light of the World, the Lord of Lords. 
He is all of that and so much more because he's also a miracle worker. He is God with us. He is the word who created all things. He is God incarnate, the spirit who indwells his people. He is the coming king, the son of God, a friend to the friendless, hope for the hopeless. Amen? Anybody know who he is? Right? Those of us that can clap when I say those things, those of us that get excited when somebody's proclaiming who Jesus is, we know he's not just a name. He's not just a name. We know we would all be lost without him. I would be lost without him. We're all lost without him. The difference is some of us know it and some of us don't. Paul was different because he knew who he was. He knew who he was. He knew he was lost, if not for Jesus. He knew we have no power against the enemy of our souls without Jesus. Because religion in and of itself doesn't give you the power over the enemy. (laughs) Or these sons would have been able to drive out this demon easily. They were dripping in religion. They were priest's kids, pastor's kids. They were PK's. Dripping in religion. They knew the steps to take, the places to go, the the things to say, but it wasn't enough. Look, through this series, my only fear is that we'll begin to think the power lies in something that it doesn't. Like the power lies in this stage where we hear from God in this altar area that if we can just get here, all of our problems will disappear or we'll feel the power of the Holy Spirit again. We'll begin to think that that if the, the church isn't always that electric and that high energy and the clapping and the whatever, that the Holy Spirit can't move, right? We'll begin to think he's in something that he may or may not be. And then we'll blame others because those things aren't in our control, Or we'll try to contrive it ourselves, like these guys did. We'll get addicted to the method and not the message. It wasn't Paul the spirits were afraid of. It was the Jesus in Paul. What we're doing here isn't about the hype. It's not just about the religion. God wants to change hearts so that we carry the message with us out those doors. But you can have an altar moment like the one we had here last week in your kitchen. You can have that in a park. You can lead someone to Jesus over your backyard fence and see the Holy Spirit fall to the music of the crickets outside instead of the church band. It's not, the power is not here. It's not in these wood floorboards. It's in you. Because this isn't an incantation. Come on, I need you to get this today. Look, we have a tendency to get addicted to methods. It's why some people just can't get past not singing hymns in church anymore. They felt the Spirit of God as a kid singing those hymns, and now they think it's only hymns where God can move. Or, you know, I grew up in a church with a cross and stained glass windows, right? That's the only place God can move, right? They're methods. Methods change. The message never has. Power's not in the message. In the methods, it's in the message. If you don't know that God can move through anything, you haven't read the Bible. <laughs> right? He, he, God moved through a donkey. He turned a staff into a snake. He's spoken through a fleece on the ground. He, he's caused water to come from a rock. He's healed people through an inanimate snake on a stick. He's spit in mud and covered eyes. Jesus laid on top of a person once to raise them from the dead. He turned water to wine. He sometimes just creates confusion in an enemy. He's spoken through a bush on fire. <laughs> like his methods change. And if those people in any of those stories throughout the word had gotten addicted to that specific method, they would have been in trouble. Because God's always doing a new thing. If you don't know that God can do anything today, read the word. We can't manipulate him into doing what he did last week or last month or last year or last century. 
God's going to do a new thing if he wants to, a brand new thing. And if you're stuck on methods, you might just miss it. This isn't an incantation. We can't just string words together and magically the Holy Spirit will arrive. We're not conjuring him today. What these sons of Sceva were doing was essentially witchcraft, which is just manipulating the spiritual realm to do what you want instead of giving up that surrender to God. And if Jews can be guilty of it in the book of Acts, Christians can be guilty of it today too. We often claim faith and claim the name of Jesus without actually knowing what that means. Aaron and I walked through one of the most difficult seasons of our lives with faith and saw other people healed, but had no healing ourselves. We saw other people delivered, but no deliverance ourselves. True faith knows, and this is what we learned through that season, is that true faith knows it's not always about what I want. Because it's not an incantation. Or I would have figured out the magical words to say. There were so many people who told us to do things that felt a lot like an incantation. Well-meaning, good Christian people. It's not just something you add to your life, though. It's something you give your life to. Our lives are fundamentally changed from the inside out, from the ground up when he enters. If those seven sons had just taken the time to find out who Jesus really was, really was, they wouldn't have gotten beat to a pulp within an inch of their lives that day. They wouldn't have had to run away naked and bleeding humiliated and terrified because that's what evil does. It strips us of everything that would be grace to cover our nakedness and shame. It strips us and leaves us broken and bloody. Now, I am not defined by any of that. I'm not defined by what the world calls me. I'm not defined by my sexuality, my gender, or my pronouns. I'm not defined by what the world calls me. I'm not defined by how much I do for God, not defined by my age or my role in the family or my education or my qualifications. I am a child of God. I am saved by grace through faith. I am redeemed and justified and sanctified through Jesus and no one else. When I can truly understand who Jesus is, it changes everything. Everything about who I am. Everything about what I do with my time, my finances, my resources, my relationships. It changes everything. I am fundamentally different when I understand. And I walk with a different authority. His authority not my own. Jesus came to set free the captives. Some of us have been trying to just do and say the right things, to will ourselves to being free using someone else's revelation. You look at someone else's belief, your mom's belief or your spouse's or a sister, a dad, a friend. You look at them and you think, I don't know if I believe, but they do. And maybe that's enough. And maybe I'll just do what they're doing. And I'll just go to church. I'll serve somewhere. I'll pray sometimes. That's what they're doing, isn't it? Maybe that's enough. Take the time, truly, to understand who Jesus is. Ask your questions. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to have doubts and fears, to be angry at God. God's not afraid of your anger, not afraid of your doubt. He's not afraid of your fear. In fact, he wants to be in that process with you. He wants you to ask your questions. Take the time to understand who he truly is, because that is how you get free. He is the name above every name, but he's not just a name. He is the king of kings, but he's not just a king. He is the friend to the friendless, but he's not just a friend. He's the Lord of lords, but he's not just a Lord. We cannot put him in a box. The sons of Sceva tried it. They tried to use Paul's revelation of who Jesus is, and they failed. 
Who are you? Who are you? How do you define yourself? Is your identity firmly rooted in Jesus of Nazareth who died on a tree 2,000 years ago so the gospel could rise again three days later? Understand today that Jesus changes everything about that answer. He calls you chosen, not forsaken. He calls you forgiven and redeemed. He calls you by name, by name. He knew you before you were formed, and he calls you free. Know who you are today, believer. Who are you? I strongly feel today that there are some people in this room that could use a new identity. As the band comes, would you all just stand across this room? Because today we're going to pray in that new identity. Some people came to church today feeling like they don't want to be them anymore. Like maybe life is beating you up right now. You've been trying so hard to withstand in your own strength. But what you need is not another preacher just telling you to have more faith. What you need is a new identity. A new name. A fresh anointing from heaven. If that's you today and you need a new name, Jesus is here for you. Jesus wants to remake you, to give you a fresh start, to bring out all of the things that he put within you, all of the gifts and the talents, the joy and the peace. It's all already there. We just have to unlock it by understanding who he is. He came to set you free. He came because he loves you so much. He came because God is real. There is a father in heaven who created you and formed you. And he loves you more than anything. He came because that God is a good God. He made good things in your life. In fact, every good and perfect thing is from him. The bad things in your life, they're a result of sin and selfishness. Not always yours. It's in the world. Sometimes we suffer as a result of someone else's. Maybe generations ago. And it's not fair. It's not okay. Jesus came because he knows that. He came to set you free from it. He came to give you a new name. He came to make it easy. That all you have to do is call on his name and you will be saved. Saved from the sin and selfishness of the world, saved from suffering under addiction, suffering under the shame of the world. And I'm not just talking today to people who have never received Jesus before. I'm talking to the believer who forgot who you are, the believer who is a victim of life right now. You forgot you were more than a conqueror more than a conqueror. You forgot that you are chosen. That you forgot that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You forgot that you're a citizen of heaven, that your name is written in the book of life, not death. That you forgot that all things in this world will pass away, but he will never pass away. And today, you need a boost from heaven. You need a new name, a new identity. Who are you, believer? Are you going to let the enemy beat you up today? Are you going to let the enemy strip you of dignity and pride today? Of your joy and peace today? Are you going to let the enemy of your soul take what's rightfully yours as a representative of Jesus here on this earth? Are you a victim? I'm actually asking. Are you a victim? Come on, are you a victim? I can't hear you. Are you a victim? can hear you. Are you a victim? If you need a new identity today, you come up here to this stage right now. I'm not going to count. I'm just calling you. Come join me right up here. Maybe you forgot who you are. Maybe you never received Jesus in the first place. Come join me right up here in the front. Amen. Yeah, give them a hand as they come. 
cheer them on. That's what we're here for. You can stop being a victim today and get a new name. Look, I'm not going to drag this moment out. I'm not going to manipulate you into coming. It's here for you today. All you have to do is come and claim it. Be bold and reach out. The prayer team is going to come and pray for you. Just come give your life to Jesus. I know I just said I wasn't going to drag it out, but it feels like there's one more. Come on. Amen. Awesome. For those of you here at the stage, the, the prayer team is going to come around and pray for you. Prayer team, if you would just ask them if it's their first time today. Lead them to Jesus. If not, pray over them. Listen. While they're doing that, we're going to sing. I have more preaching to do, <laughs> but we're going to sing. Right, sing your new identity. Sing who you are. Remind yourself who you are. This is what worship is. Reminding yourself who God is, the name above every name, who Jesus is. Reminding yourself who we are. Can't go back to the beginning Can't control what tomorrow will bring But I know here in the middle Is the place where you promised to be Unless you come, will you meet me here again? It's all I want, it's all you are. Will you meet me here again?
walking around powerless and afraid. You are not a victim. Right? We are walking around carriers of the precious blood and spirit of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Come on, you're different as a believer. We have nothing to fear because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We have nothing to fear from this world and everything to give this world. It's our job to give it. And you are a world changer like Paul. Don't you ever forget it. I have had this pressure, this anxiety for three days now, and I believe it's because God wants to develop world changers from this house. He's releasing a new spirit on Freedom Valley. World changers that know who they are. Children of the living God that know the power they carry isn't their own and it's not just words and incantations. It's the spirit of the living God who got up from the grave of sin and shame tried to put him in. Tried to put you in. changers today willing to be developed not just discovered because they know it's not about them it was never about them but about the spirit of Jesus living within them not by my might nor by my power but by his spirit says the Lord right a seed has been planted in world changers today a vision a dream gift from heaven, a purpose on planet earth, and if you're willing to be used by God to be a world changer, I want you to also come out of your seat and make your way up to the altar today. Paul's vision required everything of him. It required fasting and praying. It required he took crazy stringent vows. It required he did things as a leader that he didn't even require of the people that were following him. He was willing to take a beating over and over and over again. And those of you that are coming up to these altars, I'm talking to you. This isn't an easy answer. It's not meant to be easy. Paul was jailed, slandered, Stoned, whipped, drug into court. So before I pray over you, I want you to be sure. Be sure. All right, this is not a magical spell or something to be done out of vanity. This is not a trick. It's not an incantation. The sons of Sceva can attest. All right, this is an anointing. What we're doing today is an anointing. And actually, prayer team, I want you to get the anointing oil from the front of the stage we're going to, as we do this symbolically, we're going to do it literally. If you're around these altars today, you're going to be anointed, but God wants you to be sure. Be sure. I'm praying God use me as a bold, bold prayer. It's a brave prayer. I'm not saying you'll be like Paul and end up in a physical ditch somewhere. It's usually much more metaphorical. Every time I say yes to God. I say, God, use me. I usually end up in a metaphorical ditch. Okay? But be sure today. A prayer team's going to come around and anoint you with oil. If you're around these altars, and we're going to pray. Will you do that with me? Lift your hands to heaven. Again, just like last week, lift your head to heaven, your face to heaven. Your face doesn't need to be downcast in the presence of God. Lift it. Father, we thank you for these amazing people willing to be used by you. Knowing that it's not a vanity thing, it's not to make me look good, it's because of a genuine willingness to be used by you. God, we know we're not saying yes to something easy today. Paul didn't have it easy. We're asking for a special anointing, an unusual anointing to go into our world, the Gettysburg, Adams County area, and reach it for Jesus, to cast out evil spirits in our area, 
to call healing, peace, hope, joy into our area. God, use us. Even when it's scary. Even when it's hard. Even when it's probably going to hurt us. God, help us trust you. Truly give over. Surrender to you. Help us understand who you are, who you actually are, not just what other people say about you, not just somebody else's belief or somebody else's revelation, but God, reveal yourself to us, each and every one of us, that as we go throughout life reading the word and praying and fasting, that you would be there. Make your presence real and known to us. Let us feel your Holy Spirit each and every day. Fill each and every one of these willing disciples with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with passion and fire, that vibrance, that passion, that selflessness that we talk about so often. Fill them, Father. Anoint them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just begin to thank Jesus today. Jesus. Use your own words. Lift up the name of Jesus. Proclaim who he is. The light of the world. He frees the captives. He sets the slaves free. Proclaim who he is. practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire because they realized there was no power there. Right? The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message of the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Those of you who responded today 
to be willing to sometimes feel a little forsaken, knowing that you're not. Right? Proclaiming that you're not. Because it might seem like evil wins for a minute, but then a whole city comes to Jesus. Right? And you have to be willing to take that because our Savior was willing to take that. He could have been king of Jerusalem. They wanted him to. They were begging him to. Instead, he chose to crawl up on a tree lay his life down so that not just the city could be brought to him but all of us for 2,000 years afterward and forever so even when all seems lost and it seems like evil wins God can still use it he's still in it so today he's just asking who are you are you the kind of person that's gonna be able to withstand it Because like we said last week, it doesn't have to be you alone. I know I'm not that person alone. And none of us are that person alone. We do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the helper, the deliverer. He guides us into all truth. He gives us all the wisdom we need to get the job he assigns us done. You don't have to do it alone. So before we go today, we're going to pray one more time. We're going to sing one more time and I want this one to be the loudest the most passionate right that you're using your voice your words your prayers to ask the spirit of Jesus the Holy Spirit to come into your life to empower you to give you that passion and that fire that you need to go out and get the job he's called you to do done let's sing one more time I think I'm not enough
Jesus, minister to our world with the name of Jesus. Reveal yourself to us, God. Thank you. And we praise you in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 